My name is Father Mike Delaney and I'm the parish priest of the Kingston Channel Catholic Parish in the Archdiocese of Hobart. This is my homily for the sixth Sunday of Easter. When I was growing up, my mother told me that if the direction of the wind changed while I was pulling a silly face, then I would be stuck with it for the rest of my life. And because I was small, I believed her. It was a truth I didn't dare question. This is the final week of the series I've called Compelling Truths, Truths That Matter. As I've said each weekend, I'm not suggesting that these are theological facts, nor will you find them called that in the Catechism. But they are truths that help us live out our lives as followers of Christ. They are the foundations that help us build up the community of believers we call the Church. One of the key truths consistent throughout our Easter readings has been that when the Spirit of the Risen Lord is present in our lives, then there is nothing that can stop us. Another truth is that when we do whatever God asks of us, we almost always find that our endeavours are blessed beyond measure. And a third truth is that when we belong to a community, there is a real support and purpose that enables that the message to be proclaimed. From our readings last weekend, we saw that another of these truths reminded us that we are called to love one another. We saw how when we are a vibrant and transparent community, we make known the love that God has for us and which is then made real by the way we love one another. In my reflections on this weekend's readings, we can see that there is a real tension between what's, what is God's plan and the plan of the world. In the first reading from Acts of the Apostles, we hear how there were serious challenges facing the early Christian leaders about what was necessary before people could be accepted into the community. Did they really have to accept the physical demands of the Jewish tradition before they could become a Christian? There is a sense of sadness here, tinged with the reality of this encounter of chapter 15, in chapter 15 of Acts, because earlier in chapter 10, Peter had already acknowledged what was needed to become a follower of Christ. In chapter 10 he had said, The truth I have now come to realise is that God does not have favourites, but that anybody of any nationality who fears God and who does what is right is acceptable to him. But it seems then, like today, every new community, every new group, must find the answer for themselves. So Paul and Barnabas and some others went up to Jerusalem for what was to become the first council of the church. There this question and other issues were discussed in a process that we might now call a process of synodality. What resulted from the council was a set of essential requirements which did not include all the requirements of the Jewish tradition but only those considered necessary for membership in the community. We read, You are to abstain from food sacrificed to idols, from blood, and from the meat of strangled animals, and from fornication. The conflict that led to this was a conflict between the letter of the law and the spirit of the law, 
and that continues to challenge people today. In attempting to explain what this conflict actually meant for the church, one of the great theologians of the 20th century, the Jesuit Karl Rahner, suggested we can understand it better if we see that there were three stages of the growth of the church. The first happened when the Christian community was thought to be simply a part of the Jewish community and only people of Jewish backgrounds were able to be part of the church. The second results from the Council of Jerusalem, our first reading, when the church begins to move out into the world and people of all countries and nationalities are welcomed into this community. As we read through the Acts of the Apostles we see, however, that there will be numerous challenges to this decree as people try to understand what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ and how this is to be lived out. Over the next 1900 years there have been numerous councils and gatherings and other world events which caused divisions and angst within the church including the split between the Eastern and Western churches in the 11th century and the Reformation in the 16th century. Again, many of the difficulties faced by Christian communities arose from the conflict between those who wanted to live by the letter of the law and those who were responding to the spirit of the law. Now obviously this is a, an oversimplification in some ways, but it's a reminder that it's easy to throw the baby out with the bathwater if we become too focused on one aspect of our story without being open to other ideas. The great imagery used by the Apostle John in our second reading from the book of the Apocalypse highlights that there will be a very different vision of the church that will be the church in the future. There he writes, I saw that there was no temple in the city since the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb were themselves the temple. And the city did not need the sun or moon for light, since it was lit by the radiant glory of God, and the Lamb was a torch for it. The challenge that I see here is the challenge between the structure and the people. If we focus on the structure of the church, and fail to appreciate that the Lord is alive and active in the community as well, then we're constantly going to be looking for answers which will never satisfy us. Again, not trying to be simplistic, I wonder if much of the tension that exists in the church today between so-called conservatives and liberals arises from the conflict between obedience to the rules and forgetting that we must also be touched by the compassion and the mercy of God. Because we hear the same challenge addressed in our gospel today as we heard Jesus speak to his disciples. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we shall come to him and make our home in him. What is it that Jesus is asking of us? Well, just a few verses earlier, in last week's Gospel, Jesus had said, I give you a new commandment, love one another. He wasn't giving the disciples a whole list of rules and regulations. He was telling them to love one another. This whole discussion arises from the reality that this small community of believers is changing from being centred on Jerusalem and the law of Moses 
and was now becoming a missionary community. They were becoming a community moved by the spirit of the risen Jesus, who sees no difficulty in taking the message of the new commandment to love God and to love others to all the world. Going back to Karl Rahner, he would suggest that the third stage of the church's growth occurred during the Second Vatican Council, when the church truly became a church of the world. At that council, bishops from every continent and culture gathered to look at how the church is called to live in our present time. And as we have seen by the events of recent years, in many ways this has become the most difficult of period of growth. Yet God's call to each one of us is to enter into a relationship with him and it's just as real today as it ever was. The Second Vatican Council and the various synod meetings that followed, the Australian Plenary Council, which meets again shortly, the Synod on Synodality, they're just a couple of examples. All these gatherings have been prompted by the working of the Holy Spirit so that we can hear the call to be more than just good churchgoers. It's the call to discipleship and evangelization. But what does all this mean for, for me? How can I respond to what is happening in our community today? Well, if we try to find the answers within our own abilities and gifts, then we're going to struggle and quite possibly fail. But, and this is the beauty of God's message of salvation, Jesus knew we would struggle. So in the Gospel he tells us, I have said these things to you while still with you, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of all I have said to you. And this is the ultimate truth. We have been given the gift of God's Holy Spirit so that we will always be reminded of his abiding presence. God's Spirit continues to move in the church, ensuring that his message is made known to all the world. So my question this week is, what can I do to make a difference in my community? Am I willing to encourage someone to take the, their first step in their journey to know Jesus? To come and see what, hap what having a relationship with Jesus might actually mean? We commence Alpha here in the parish on the 2nd of June. Why not ask someone to come along with you and learn what it means to be part of a believing community, a community filled with the gift of the Holy Spirit? And just in case you remember the question I asked at the very beginning, one day I pulled a silly face and the winds changed and that's why I look the way I do today. <laughs>